0: continued at scs.georgetown.edu podcast.
1: You're listening to NBC Sports Philadelphia. The guests you want to hear from. The Phillies information you need. It's At The Yard with Jim Salisbury.
0: Jimmy Rollins went from a second round draft pick in 1996 to the greatest shortstop in Philadelphia Phillies history a perennial all-star, a National League MVP, a world champion. He ignited the most successful era in Phillies baseball with that great comment, we are the team to beat. Nobody thought they were, but Jimmy was sure they were, and he backed it up. Hello again. Welcome back to this special edition of At The Yard. I'm Jim Salisbury. We're presented by Deborah Hart Lung Center, and if it's your heart, demand Deborah... Visit demanddebora.org and a reminder to please subscribe to At The Yard, wherever you listen to podcasts. Recently, NBC Sports Philadelphia proudly aired World Champions, the story of the 08 Phillies. In that documentary, you saw a big portion of my interview with Jimmy Rollins, and now you get to hear the whole thing. My full sit down with the greatest shortstop in Phillies history world champion, National League MVP, Jimmy Rollins. Heading into the 07 season, you proclaimed that the Phillies were the team to beat. Did you really believe that, or were you trying to get your teammates to believe?
1: <laughs> no, I, um, I really believe that with all my heart. You know, we had made a couple uh, moves that I thought needed to be made. Uh, brought over um, Freddie Garcia. And knowing what he did just a few years earlier in Chicago, I'm like, well, that's that's the type of pitcher we need. I felt we had the offense. You know, we we could swing the bat. We could score with anyone. It was just a matter of keeping the other team from scoring. So we bring in, you know, some big-name pitchers that have success. I was like, it's our turn. That's all we needed. You know, it was never about the offense for us. It was just about the pitching staff. And for me at that moment, that was the answer. You know, it didn't quite work out that way in the beginning or maybe even at all, but... For me, that was just what I needed to, to make that claim. And it was literally, you know, a statement, you know, saying, like, it's, it's our time. Yeah, we're the team to beat Nice, You know, it finally, it's about that time.
0: As a team, everyone could see the collection of young talent that was coming together. You, Chase, Ryan, Cole, Shane. You guys chased down the Mets in 07 in an incredible September. What sticks out to you about that first division title?
1: Oof, just being on top, knowing that we made the uh, playoffs, knowing that we, you know, pushed through that threshold. Uh, It had been a long time since the Phillies made the playoffs, 93, the World Series, in which they lost. And, you know, for years, all you see is a 1980 clip running over and over and over. And the further you got away from 1980 with the technology, older that stuff looked. And I got tired of watching. I'm sure a lot of us got tired of seeing it and watching it. Although, you know, we we appreciate the work they did. It was like there needs to be something different. (laughs) So, we win. And all that has a chance to stop. We we have a chance to write history. We have a chance to make new history. We can build on 1980 so the fans don't have to worry about going back so far. Um, A new generation of kids would know what it's like to win. So, um, pushing through... And 07 was like that breakthrough point. It was like, we finally have a chance. We got swept immediately, but at that point, it was like we finally have a chance. This is what we've worked so hard for. First of all, was to get to the playoffs. Um, When you get to the playoffs, anything can happen, and we we know that. We've seen it. Wild card teams seem like they have no shot and win the whole thing. So um, we worked hard. Uh, we stayed on the grind. We never gave up, no matter what it looked like. Um, seven games down with 17 to play. We knew we had a chance when we played the match straight up. We handled our business then, and it was just a matter of getting lucky, and they kept failing, and we kept winning. So it took both sides for that to happen, but um, we had to do our part, and we did.
0: Did Team to Beat resonate through your mind throughout that season?
1: Um, mainly when we went to New York. You know, they, they definitely wouldn't let me live it down. Uh, but other than that, you know, once I said it, it was said and it was in the beginning after about a month, it was just playing ball. Um, we didn't get off to the best start. The Mets, you know, ran off away from everybody, but we never felt out, out of it. And there were, I mean, there were a couple of times where, where I looked in the mirror and I'm sitting up there just like, wow, maybe this time you've bitten off a little too much. You know, you have to be real with yourself. you just just looking at the way the season was going and then we go out and get a win and come back like, nah, maybe you did the right thing. So, I mean, there, there, there's always points where you can go either way and you need something just to encourage you. And there were plenty of times, well, maybe about three or four times where I look in the mirror and it's like, man, maybe, maybe this just, you know what, maybe we should play for a wild card. You know, and you start to concede just a little bit, but like I said, but you go out there and get that win. It's like, no, nah, we're right back in it. And you need that. I mean, everybody gets tested. Um, You know, I felt like the weight of the world was on my shoulders. Obviously, the teammates are looking at me. Seeing how I respond to uh, the difficult times. Uh, The New York Press, I love them. You know, writing some good articles. But in the end, I I think it fueled everyone. You know, we understood that we're in this together. Although I came out and said we're the team to beat, I said we're the team to beat. And we understood that.
0: But you wore that comment every day. And I remember writing that. You, You wore it because you went out there and played your ass off every day and you can't, and it's proven, you walked off with the MVP award, you know what I mean? You wore yeah. it and you followed it up, Yeah, I backed mean, it up. Yeah,
1: the, press, the pressure was on in, in that regard, but like I said, we, there are plenty of times I, like I sat there and you just take a deep breath and chase a run, come up with a big home run after you just struck out or grounded out in a big situation Yes. This 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 is it. You know, just just things just just to help spur you along the way. So, I mean, I got the award at the end. Um, but I mean, it took a lot of us to 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 make that season happen. Even though you got swept by Colorado
0: that year in the playoffs, what did that September run do for your confidence as a team heading into 08?
1: Well, it, it let us know that getting to the playoffs isn't I can't say, isn't all, 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 that, all that it seems, because it is. But when you're in the playoffs and then five days later you're at home watching the other team go on and you know you're better than them, you realize, okay, well, you don't party until it's over. You celebrate, you celebrate your victory, you celebrate winning a division, you celebrate winning a divisional series, championship series, and hopefully the World Series. But if you get to that point and you don't win at all, it's almost like, well, what did you really accomplish? Nothing. In the grand scheme of things, yes, you're a division winner. You've proven that you're a winner, but no one plays just for that. Mm-hmm. You play for the glory to be the last team standing at the, uh, at the end of the season. So I think it put a lot of it in perspective for us. Like, yes, we haven't made the world or the playoffs since 93. We made it, yay, we're home. Whoa, this, that's not what we were expecting. So we came into the next year, 2008 even more focused. The Tina Beat thing was out the way, now everyone believes it. Now you know what, we are good. We are a playoff team. Coming into the season, we know. We're not hoping, we're not thinking, we're not proclaiming, we are. Now it's just a matter of going out there and playing 162 games and proving it all over again. Do you remember a
0: specific point during the 08 season when you looked around and thought we're good enough to win this whole
1: thing? Jim, I can think back now and still ask you how in the heck did we win it all? <laughs> I mean, for real. Um, you know you have to be good. Yes, that, that that's a prequel. You know, it was another situation where we had to come from behind. Not as not as much, but we had to play a little catch up. We had to do that again. And then you had Kyle Kendrick come out of nowhere. You know, like twenty and one or something like that, whatever he did when he came up, and it was just like, Who is this kid? But we didn't other than Cole, it was like you know, who do we truly lean on? Um, obviously, we've seen Moyer step up, and, you know, he can be tricky, and he tricked a lot of guys that year, especially in the playoffs. Cole did his thing. Then you had KK. Uh, Brett was doing his thing. It was, it was just so many things that started happening right at the right time. We had a lot of injuries to our starting pitchers. like It was like the years before. We can score runs. It's how many runs do we have to score or how many how few can we give up and then all of a sudden, towards the second half of the season, we started shutting teams down. And then we look around each other like, look, fellas, we need nine tonight and get that nine. And it wasn't in one through five. It was in a six, seven, eight, and nine where we put up all those runs. So we knew we can play with anybody. Um, winning, it, winning it all, uh, that's just a belief you have. But like so I can still look back and go, how did we win it all, really?
0: I remember mid-August, Ryan Madsen turned into an animal. Yes, and
1: you had uh, yes. obviously Lidge, yes. mm-hmm. uh,
0: J.C. Romero. I think Scott Eyre was getting some big outs. That bullpen really mm-hmm. came together about the last eight that's weeks. The, yes,
1: exactly. It, like, it was so much. Say, so was so much that I can't say was great, but it came together. It came, and just like you know, talking about the uh, wild card teams, that's how they win. They've been they've been battling, battling, battling. And when everything comes together, they're able to hold that for a while where the teams that were winning out, they're kind of going through the emotions. And it's like, you have a team that's been riding this train going downhill and you guys are still trying to play catch up. Mm-hmm. So there was, it was kind of like us. You know, 07 was that way. It was just the steam went out early. But in 08, we we're able to keep it going.
0: In the regular season clincher in 08, you made that great diving stop to start the double play against Washington, end the game. That allowed you guys this is big that allowed you guys to set up Cole Hamels to start game one of the division series how big was that looking back?
1: Um, Looking at it that way that was the perfect situation. Um, We're playing Washington we know what's on the line obviously the division Uh, but more importantly or at least I think as players you know Brad's perfect season and you know, not, not every save was a beauty. You know, it was always some 3-2 counts, runners on, and sometimes people making plays, sometimes him just punching out the next guy and, and just manning up and just, you know what, I'm not giving up anything. This was a situation where it, it got a little sticky, bases loaded, one out, and it was a Ryan Zimmerman up, I believe it was, and he's clutch. You get runners on, he finds a way to get a in sack fly, doubles, or grand slams. He, does, he doesn't miss. He's, he's clutching those situations. And he got a pitch out over the plate up the middle. Not, not, and knowing Zimmerman, with runners, he's not a pool hitter to begin with, but with runners on, he's definitely not a pool hitter. So I just kind of shaded him a little bit towards the middle. The ball came my way, and at that point I had two options. I'm like, the safest way for me to catch this ball is to dive a little bit. You know, the worst-case scenario, I knock it down. I still give Chase a chance to turn two um, with the throw. But it, I, I caught it cleanly, and I pushed myself up, gave the ball to Chase, and he turned it. And I was more excited. I, I mean, I wasn't worried about the rotation. Whatever we were going to start with was going to be that day, but it worked out perfectly. But I was just really more excited about savoring Brad's season after knowing what happened, you know, in Houston, him coming over here. That was important for me, for his confidence, for us, but really for his confidence that going in, he didn't blow a save all season long, going into the playoffs, he can ride that.
0: I want to ask you about some of your memories of the team's big playoff moments that season. What was it like watching Brett Myers, a career 134 hitter, put together an epic at-bat against C.C. Sabathia, work him for a walk and then see Shane Victorino hit a grand, grand slam.
1: Yeah, that, 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 that was fun. Um, you know, Brett, for years, always claimed he was a good hitter. And uh, the 134 average can access to that. But he wasn't afraid to swing the bat. I mean, he can handle the bat, doesn't mean you're a good, hit, good hitter. But, you know, he had an idea what he was doing up there. and. If you ask him, I, he, I can pretty much say he was trying to get on base. If he got a hit, that would have been a bonus, but he was going to try to work the heck out of CC. You know, foul pitches off, which he did, and in the end, I can't say he, he warmed down. I think, the, you know, the grind of CC that whole second half, pitching seemed like every other day for, uh, for Milwaukee um, at the time, you know, was grinding him down. And then you have a, an easy out, and this dude's making you throw 10, 15 pitches that mentally can get to you. And Brett, you know, he, when he got the walk, I don't know if you could see it on, on, on a film, you know, he kind of looked at me like, got him, flipped the bat, and I was like, okay, well, I guess it's my turn and, and, you know, do something similar. We need guys on base. And I know I had, you know, pretty good success off of CC. I mean, I don't know what the numbers are, but in my mind, it was, they were pretty good. And worst case scenario, I felt that I was at least going to get a hit. I ended up getting on base, I believe. And then Shane, um, did I get on base? I don't remember. But Shane hit the grand slam off a hanging slider, a two-strike hanging slider, and it, it worked out well. I
0: remember how loud that place was when Oh, did. yeah. Oh, yeah. Crazy.
1: I remember off the bat, and it was like, <laughs> go ball, go. Shane knew it, but you can never be too confident in those situations unless you're the hitter because you're the only one that knows what it feels like, and it worked out. Great, great, great at bat, Brett. That, that may have been the best thing he did, minus throwing that curveball ball to Big, uh, what's the right-hand hitter from Washington closed out in 2007. He had a couple good moments,
0: for yeah, sure. He he, he grounded it out. Yeah, he did. I'm sure, Victorino was, man, he must have been pumped when he got back to the dugout.
1: Well, is Shane ever not pumped? <laughs> you know, probably came in and knocked a couple people out, running so hard, yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's shame. yeah.
0: (laughs) And then the moment everyone remembers from the NLCS, game four in L.A. after Victorino ties it. Matt Stairs hits a pinch hit, bomb. Boom. It was boom. What was the dugout like? What are your memories of that moment?
1: You know, I was on deck, so I don't remember what the dugout was like, but I was on deck, and you know, at Dodger Stadium, it's a real good view being on deck there. I mean, you can see the entire field. And, you know, he's always capable of that. You know, he doesn't go up there thinking single or walk. He's thinking fences are out the stadium. And this one was in between and went over the fences and halfway out the stadium. And I remember watching it and the ball, you know, it was literally a moonshot. It went so high and so far, I was hoping it was going to leave the stadium. I don't, I didn't realize how hard it was to hit the ball out of Dodger Stadium, especially at night, but my gosh. I mean, the effect that it had on that team and us, the ball might as well have went out the stadium. I mean, it, it absolutely demolished them and picked us up. I was on deck. I didn't have any hits that night. and was like, you know what? Maybe I got to come out and get them tomorrow. I'll, I'll make sure I do my job tomorrow and help lead us, you know, to a victory. After that home run, I was like, I can at least get a single. If Stairs can do that, I already know, already know what he's feeling like. I can at least get a single and I think I end up working a walk. So I know what it did for my confidence, so I can imagine what was happening in the dugout at that moment. But, I mean, that ball, first of all, Shane Victorino, great at bat. Once again, another curveball for a home run. You know, you throw that man curveballs, he hits home runs, it seems like, in big situations. Great at bat the tie. So I think that kind of took the pressure off of everyone that we're back, where we're here. We know we can play at this point. You know, Dodgers are a great team, especially playing in L.A. And then you have Matt Stairs like, no, we're not done yet. We're not finished. You are not getting off the hook.
0: Remember how quiet the stadium was? What?
1: What? And did you know, I mean, before that, they hated Shane after that? That's love. That's love. If you haven't done something to make the other team's fan hate you, then you haven't done your job. Matt Stairs, I don't think they could really hate because I was just like, wow, that's what he was sent up there to do, and he did it. He did it. <laughs>
0: And there's still video, you can watch videos of the dugouts just going nuts. No, yeah,
1: no, no, I'm sure. Like I so I was on deck, you know, I'm just like in awe, like, oh my gosh, this ball's is with me, the stadium. You know, then, then then, then, it's right back to doing my job. Like I, I, Now it's my turn, you know, I mean, we have this, this moment captured. I mean, you, you can't take your foot off their throat.
0: I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Jimmy Rollins for NBC Sports Philadelphia's documentary World Champions. The story of the 08 Phillies. Coming up, some of the best video from the World Series of the shots of all you guys sprinting in to jump on the pile after Lidge gets that last out. Can you even describe what that moment felt like?
1: It was, it was a feeling of accomplishment. Like, we did it, it's done. You know, we're World Series champs. No one can tell us we're not. Um, you know, all the things that were wrong with us, all the flaws that we had during the season, it doesn't even matter. You know, all, all the experts that, you know, have their opinions, we got to write the last sentence of, of their story, and that's Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Series champions. And that's it. There's, there's, there's nothing more to be said. You're a champion.
0: All that and more after this health tip from Deborah Heart and Lung Center. This is At The Yard, the podcast. You guys took care of the Dodgers pretty easily in Game 5, and then you had a while to wait around for the end of the ALCS. What was the confidence level like heading into the World Series? And be honest, did you have a preference whether you were going to play Tampa Bay or the defending World Series champion Boston Red Sox?
1: No, we didn't. Um, Personally, I I, would have probably chose Boston just because I've had a couple hits there as opposed to Tampa Bay. Oh, I don't like playing at this place. But at that moment, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you play. You're in this moment. You have to win. And I've always been in, in the belief that if you want to be the best, you have to beat the best. So whoever's going to come out of that ALCS is obviously the best. Tampa Bay played well all season long. They had to beat New York and had to beat Boston all season long, and they did that. So at that point, it didn't matter. We knew we were going to be playing a good team, but we also knew that we had a good team. And um, coming to Philadelphia, as you know, you know, I mean, we'll open up on the road because the all-star thing, which I'm glad that's done with. Um, but you open up on the road, but when you come to Philly, it's different. You know, Boston had been there. We, we, we know they can play there. And that's fine. Well, we know we can beat them there. We know we can beat them in Boston. We've done that, too. Uh, but Tampa Bay, it had, it had probably been a long time. I don't know if they've if they've made it to Citizens Bank Park, but if they had, it, it had been a while since they uh, have been up there. And um, it, it worked out for us uh, that when Tampa Bay did get up there, that home field advantage really kicked in. You know, then we had the rain delay, and that was extra home field advantage. But just that atmosphere being so tight, so close, packed, full of crazies, and, you know, they're going to be talking about your mama, your kids, anything they can do to get in your head, and, and it worked. But, um, no, I, we didn't, I don't think we had a preference. No one even spoke about it. It was just watching, and whoever came out, that's who we have, and we have the game plan for that.
0: Remember the crushing Longoria?
1: Oh, uh, yeah.
0: Eva.
1: <laughs> yeah, see, that those things right there just... You know, that, that, that made it a lot more fun. And a lot of stories you don't know about until after it's all said and done. And even talking to, uh, like, B.J. Upton, who works out around here, you know, just hearing those stories and things that they had to deal with. And I just remember the whole time thinking, and they, and they called that home field advantage for the AL. Like, it worked out so much in our favor. But that's one of those things, you know, we were good. And I guess because of the rain delay, we got lucky that they, they got kicked out their hotel. Well, checked out, but basically kicked out. They had to move with all their families and then come play a game. That made it tough. We had a lot of things going our way.
0: (laughs) When you go up 3-1 in the series and you have a chance to close it out at home, how badly did you guys want to get it done in Philly and not have to get back to Tampa? Uh, We did
1: not want to go back to Tampa Bay. Not at all. Here you are with a chance, one, to close out at home. Um... And that's tough to do, being the team that doesn't have home field advantage. That means you have to to win both games there, win two out of three at home, win one there and sweep at home. Um, I think we hadn't lost a game in that playoffs at home to begin with. So knowing that, knowing that we're good at home, not that we weren't good at the road, but we're a great team at home, especially playoffs. You want to get it done. You want to do it in your home crowd. Um, You don't want to have to get back on the road and give them that advantage. And I tell you what, to a man, I don't think anyone packed their bag and brought it to the clubhouse. Everybody came in and your your regular sweats or whatever you wore to the field that day because we didn't even want to send that omen that we might go back to Tampa Bay. It was like, no, don't bring a bag. For what? If we lose, then, you know, we'll go home and pack. We'll figure it out from there. But I'm not bringing the back so I'm not planning on losing. And to a man, we all had that feeling. I think a few of us talked about he bringing it back for what? What's the point? I don't plan on losing. And we didn't have to go back to Tampa.
0: Was it torture waiting those couple of days before the restart?
1: Uh, maybe for the fans. It it definitely, um, for the fans it was torture. For us, it was just like playing a Nintendo or Playstation or whatever and you press pause. And you'll get to it after you finish your homework. Uh, I don't know, do the dishes, whatever you, whatever you have to do, here's your chance to knock it out without losing you know, anything in the game. So the game literally paused. It was just, literally just on pause. Now, for the fans and, and media, obviously, it gives you a lot to talk about, all these different scenarios, and it makes it fun. And those things that fans do, just like, oh, it's been since 1980, can we just, for us, it was like, no, the game just paused. And you you replan the situation. What's the situation when we start? And, and and you're trying to to, to see everything through, um, trying to game plan. So it was it, it was just it was just paused. It was just pause, and there was nothing we could do. The weather was horrible.
0: Well, how bad was um, the field?
1: The, the field the field was like playing on a lake, a shallow <laughs> a shallow lake. Uh, by the time the ball got to the infield, I don't know what took so long to stop it. It wasn't like there was a break anywhere, and it didn't break for it, two and a half days or something like that. But I guess you know. From the umpire's, and MLB's view, and in, from our view, from, you know, the Rays and ours, no one wants to win, have a game be called, especially World Series, and it be called because the rules say after five minutes or six and whatever, five and a half minutes, a game is official. It's like, no, no. Even if that was the case... It was only right to play nine and let it happen. It wasn't like it was Game Seven. Actually, been worse. It was Game Seven, but it was like it was Game Seven, and you know we have to end today because contractually, whatever type of reasons, who knows what contracts have. But um, the field was bad. They finally called it. Um, I think the game was maybe tied one-one at that point, whatever it was, and it actually worked out that because it was a tie game, there was nowhere in the world they were going to call it anyway. So. It worked out great, but the field the fit was in bad shape. I mean, the lights are bouncing off the water, the, the sitting water. So anything on the ground, and, and, and it's hard to explain unless you've been in it, you have the grass. But when that ball transferred from the, from the grass to the dirt, and you have a puddle that's just shining a light on it, you lose the ball for that split second. It's all, when, when you already know it's going to splash. You, okay, you can deal with that part but it's splashing and lights coming at you. You lose the ball for a split second, and that's all it takes for a ball to get by, to creep through, to not make a clean play. Uh, then you think of the outfield, that ball hydroplanes. Now, it eats the outfielder up and he goes by him. It's a lot of things that can happen. Or, you know, he goes to make a, he goes to make a play, and now he slides because the, the ground is so wet and the ball goes by him. Yeah. There's just so much that, that can happen. So I'm glad they finally... Uh, Called the game, which is, I guess, inevitable once it got to that point. But I mean, there are things that could have been done prior to that, but that's all part of the fun.
0: So you know, everyone talks about how electric that night. You know, when it, the game restarted, when Game Five restarted, what were your memories of the atmosphere that night, the restart night? Um,
1: it was it was bottled energy, pent up energy, ready to come out, and you know, we came out right away and and struck fast, and and that was the best thing to do. Uh, I remember it was Jeff Jenkins that led off that inning. And, you know, we were, on, we were in an on-deck circle. And, like I said, when we press pause, you, you get to think a lot. You have a lot of things going. And Jenks came up, and he's like, man, like, like, what do I do? What, what do I do? Like, do I take a pitch? And I was like, Jeff, for them the game might be starting over, but for us it was just pause. You know he's throwing first pitch fastball. You jump on that thing. Like, there's no, there's no reason to act like this is the first at bat. This is a pinch hit at bat in the middle of a game. Although it was paused for two days, the game picks up right here, right now. It's the fifth in, it's not the first. And I could see it, it just clicked. And he goes out get the uh, sink, get the double. I uh, bunt the uh, pinch runner over. And then um, Feliz gets the single up the middle. And it was like, all right. Now, just hold on. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen. It's a a short game. It's a four and a half inning game. It's just hold on. And we did exactly that. But the crowd was absolutely fantastic, especially when we went up. I already know what it's like to to be on the road and have the other team's crowd screaming. And your ears are just uh, trying to block out all of that noise. But now it's the biggest stage. You're dealing with one being down and run now, two playing in Philadelphia, Three is such an intimate play, so close, and those fans are relentless. They—they they are not going to give you a break. I mean, they're not going to give us a break, but you get it three to four times as much as we would, for real.
0: The play chase made in that game, faking the throw and going home to get Bartlett at the plate. You know, you're locked in on every pitch. But did you have any idea he was going to do that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, the ball and the ball's up the middle. Uh, Chase is making a play so I know I'm not getting there so I'm, I'm just evaluating the whole scene I'm seeing him you know make the play knowing he has no chance to throw the guy out at first and obviously he's smart enough to realize that too but we've played so much together it was like we were almost one like he faked the throw and I'm yelling home as he's throwing. It was like we—it was like we both had the same thing in mind. I guess had I had the play to come up, make a fake spin, and check. Because I, I mean, just where the ball was situated, it was going to be tough to make any play. But you know, he's coming. I'm going right, literally right beneath him, and I'm like home huh? as he's throwing the ball. But then I'm like, damn, I can't believe he actually threw it. And if, and you know. Not that Chase has the strongest arm in the world, but he put the ball on the money. And Chooch, all Chooch had to do was make the play. So it was an absolutely an, an absolute fantastic play, a heads-up play, something that you run through all these situations in your mind, and he did everything right. The timing of the play told him he had no chance at first knowing how Tampa Bay runs the bases, they're very aggressive and always trying to take that extra base. All these things he ran through his mind already. So when a play happened, it looks like a miracle, no, it's just playing hands of baseball. That's you can't even I guess you can call it instincts, but that's just smarts. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he you take every consideration, every everything into consideration before it happens. Then when it happens, you just react and it's like, wow, what a great play. And yes it was a great play. By a great player, by a smart player, it wasn't. It wasn't a surprise that he was going to be running home. And Chase just happened to look up, like, "Oh no!" Chase already seen it happening before. Before, before they thought he saw it happening. I'm sure he ran through it when he was when he was setting up. If the ball's hit here, if the ball's hit here. What am I going to do? So when it happened, boom! And here you go, one of the greatest plays. I mean, definitely in Philadelphia Phillies uh, playoff, World Series history. Period. It was. It was great, and and that saved a run, a big run, huge run.
0: Some of the best video from the World Series of the shots of all you guys sprinting in to jump on the pile after Lidge gets that last out. Can you even describe what that moment felt like? I don't know.
1: It was heavy. (laughs) It was heavy being at the bottom of the pile. Not the very bottom. I think Brad and Ryan were at the very bottom. Had a little cushion between that, but... It was was a feeling of accomplishment, like, we did it. It's done. You know, we're World Series champs. No one can tell us we're not. Um, You know, all the things that were wrong with us, all the flaws that we had during the season, it doesn't even matter. Mm -hmm. You know, all all the experts that, you know, have their opinions, we got to write the last sentence of of their story, and that's Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Series champions. And, That's it. There's there's, there's nothing more to be said. You're a champion. It doesn't matter what your criticism is now. We have a ring. It doesn't matter if the team in our division beat us more than we beat them. We're still the champions. When we go into spring training, we're the champions. 1980 can be played alongside, or 2008 can be played alongside of 1980 now. And we've created these new memories. And I remember when the stadium was built, I told Bo, you know, veterans, that, that, that was your house. But Citizens Bank, that's gonna be my house. And here it is. Now we've brought that championship to this ballpark, to the stadium. And you just enjoy it. But you understand that now it's your turn to be Chase. Everybody's gunning after you. That came a little bit later, but it was a great moment that no matter what anyone says going forward about the team we had or didn't have, we're champions and you have to respect that
0: then there's the whole day celebration with the parade you end up back at the ballpark chase drops the uh wfc what were you thinking when he went wfc i just laughed
1: see if you know chase you're not surprised and you know chase is very private especially publicly you know doing his interviews you're going to get you know, uh, the politically correct answers, he's not going to step out the way because he just wants to get it done, you know, do his job. I know you're here. I know why you're here, so let's talk about the games, get that, and get out the way. But, you know, when the cameras are closed or the cameras are, are out, the doors are closed, you know, Chase is a different person. I mean, he's funny, although you rarely see him smile on the field. He cracks jokes. Um, he likes to talk, although you don't see that on the field unless he's you know, going off on of someone, it seems like. But he has, he really has a personality. And I think for the first time, you know, although it came out as in, you know, World Blank Champs, everybody's like, oh, this is the real Chase. It's like, yeah, it, yeah. Like, he, he's not a robot, you know, he's, he's not a loony, he's not psycho, he's a funny dude, you know, and, and he's a great guy. So um, when, he, when he did it, And it's like, that's Chase. (laughs) That's Chase. Oh, well, it's done now. Nothing you can do. And, you know, he doesn't have any regrets. I think, you know, they made him apologize for saying it. And I get it. You know, the politically correct thing to do is apologize. But that's what he was feeling at the time. And now you look at, you know, the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. What Chase said doesn't seem too bad anymore, does it? I thought when he did that,
0: I'm looking down, I was in the press box, and I thought Jason Worth was going to split just, just, his fans right, right, jumping right,
1: up. Uh, then he had the incredible Hulk Kane and had it up. Yeah, that was, yeah. But but we know Chase. Like, we know yeah. Chase. And, yeah, we know Chase Dif- a, a, a lot better than most. You guys had,
0: you know, a bunch of great teams in that run after 08, uh, you, you ended up having some of the best pitchers in the game. Mm-hmm. Why do you think o, the 08 team was the one that was able to win it all?
1: I don't know, Jim. Um, like I tell you, I can sit here and think now, after '08, the teams that we had that were much better prepared and suited to win a World Series. Uh, we got there in 09, didn't win. Um, got knocked out in 10 got knocked out in 11. And 11, I, there was no doubt in my mind, if there was any year that we were going to win a World Series, conventionally, like just run it, run it all, was 2011. But why did 08 happen? I don't know, may, may, maybe. And, and, it's, and it's tough to say, but we were the same bunch of guys pretty much from the end of 05, through the trades in 06, having to come together, a, a new leadership, a new group, a new core. Um, in 07, in, well, midway through 06, um, you know, Pat Gillick saying, you know, we won't be competitive for a few years, and that pissed me off, but in a good way. It's like, I don't care who you're trading, you know, and, and, and who, what feels like we're giving up something. No, we're just, we're just refining what we already have. You know, we're just changing the, changing the guard. And then the 06 season, we responded immediately. We came within one or two games. Of uh, the playoffs, I think we're in the clubhouse at RFK Stadium. Absolutely. Um, watching the Houston, mm-hmm. Houston, and, and whoever was playing, and we're in, the, and we're in the clubhouse, watching the ball, which seemed to be going in the right center field, but it was obviously a little lollipop. To uh, Craig Biggio, he jumps up and snags it, because we're like, we had a one-game playoff, you know, um, but. We were inspired. We had started coming together. Obviously, 07 happened. We know now that we can win, although we got knocked out. We know we can win. And wait was just a buildup of the last two and a half years, um, actually. But why that team? Other than those reasons, I don't know. You, th- you think they should have won more? We should have had at least, I mean, it's hard to say you should have at least these many World Series titles, but for sure two, possible three, but for sure two. I mean, that there was no way out of that five-year run that we couldn't have had two World Series and at least three to four appearances. But it just didn't work out. That's sports. That's yeah. sports.
0: I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jimmy Rollins as much as I did. If you haven't seen World Champions, the story of the 08 Phillies, go on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com or check out your local listings. It's really fabulous. I'm Jim Salisbury. We'll catch you next time at the Yard.
1: Thanks for listening to At The Yard on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Be sure to subscribe to At The Yard wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Some people just know the best
1: rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate.